0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Kaleidoscope FM podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm going to be honest, I am now taking an anatomy class, and what I have to learn, I've been YouTubing a lot because I'm a very visual person, and reading a textbook just doesn't help. Well, to some extent it does, but particularly anatomy, I need to see things in order to learn them, and I have this one YouTuber's like theme song stuck in my head. <laughs> he knows a lot about the sciences, Professor Dave Explains. And then there's kind of a weird like, like at the end, uh, (laughs) go, go check it out. I actually like think his videos are pretty good, at least for me, because they are very simple and easy to understand. And on a total other side tangent, before I get into today's episode, Part of what's great about a podcast is that I can talk about funny things from my day and you just have to listen or the benefit of the as a listener you can just fast forward until you want to like hear actual stuff. But sort of funny story from today. I am not someone who normally ever loses objects. I might forget about things, but I do I will find something tangible I normally remember where I put them or have an idea of where I would have put them and I couldn't find my watch for the longest time because I hadn't worn it in two or three days and I was looking around the house getting so frustrated because it wasn't in any of the spots that I normally would have put it in and like I just said I normally don't lose things like as in completely lose things I might not be able to find it for a while but I typically do find it and After a while, I just thought, I just cannot find this. Maybe I did lose it, or sometimes I put it in my backpack. Maybe it fell out of my backpack. And long story short, I was laying on my couch, just kind of dozing off, minding my own business, when all of a sudden... I don't know if any of you guys have, I have a Garmin watch and it'll buzz when it's on low battery, but I think it only buzzes once before it'll eventually die. And that's kind of, it's like smoke flare signal. Imagine if you're on a oasis um, or not an oasis, like a a small little Island in the middle of nowhere. And you're just stranded and you send a smoke flare and you're like, help me. That's my watch's way of being like, I'm going to die. And, it it buzzed just for the record. I don't have it set in the settings to buzz to like tell me to move because I found that way too annoying. So the only time it does buzz is when it's about to die. And I was on the couch and all of a sudden I heard that buzz and it freaked me out at first uh, because I was like, what the hell was that? And then I was like, it sounded like my watch, but i had actually already checked between my couch cushions that, uh, today when I was trying to find it and I couldn't find it then. But to be fair, I only kind of like stuck my hand in, like wiggled it around to like try and find it. But Then I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I heard it. So I, I like took um, the like pillow off my couch. And then I completely took off the the seat cushion and lo and behold, like at first I didn't see it, but then the more I looked, I could tell that it was like buried deep behind something. And, uh, it, it was covered in some like dirt or something. I really just couldn't see it at first, but then I was like, Oh, there it is. And this just reminded me of, You're going to have to bear with me if you're going to listen to my episodes, because I just tend to watch Disney movies. Uh, I just recently watched the Luca one, and I thought it was adorable. If you have your own opinions on the matter, keep them to yourself. Um, (laughs) Unless you want to agree with me. I mean, whatever. But... I don't know why this is going to be my second time referencing Frozen 2 in a podcast but if you haven't seen Frozen 2 one of the main characters her name is Elsa uh, she essentially is about to die and then like sends some kind of a weird snow thing to like her sister anyway if you've seen the movie I'm sure you know what I'm talking about she's in Holland and then is about to die and like sends this snow icy thing. And that's literally the thing that I thought about when my watch buzzed. It was like, I'm about to die, die. And yeah, I, I feel like that sounded really anticlimactic. It was way more funny in person for me, or I also have a tendency to just amuse myself. So that is me. And I just realized I'm already five minutes into this podcast and haven't even started what I'm talking about. All right, getting into today's episode, which is going to be about set point weight theory. So what is set point weight theory? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Uh. It's, it's so bad. I, I have so much fun just with myself. I'm surprised I'm not an only child because I can really entertain myself a lot. But anyway, so set point weight theory is essentially this concept of a genetic preset weight range that's controlled by biological signals. That's a fancy way of saying our bodies innately want to be at a particular weight. But when I say weight, that weight is within a, uh, a uh, it's a, it's a short range window. I don't know. I think I remember hearing or reading somewhere that it can be within somewhere to like 10, 15, maybe even 20 pounds, but it's essentially a range of let's, let's go with roughly 10 pounds or so, just so you get the the concept of what I'm, of what I'm saying. But our bodies want to be at this weight range because in that weight range is where our bodies function optimally. And that's essentially all set point weight theory is. It's pretty basic, but I wanted to tie it in with a few other things to think about because I felt it's very... uh, It's very instrumental when you're trying to recover from disordered eating as I did because I think there's the the whole reason there's diet culture, in my opinion, is partly because of this fear that we have that our weight is going to go up and up and up and up and we're just going to forever be constantly gaining weight if we aren't controlling it. But that isn't true if you're going to listen to your body and its cues because your body your body is so smart. <laughs> it is way smarter than what you think uh, because it does so many crazy things. In fact, I was talking about this with Alex in my interview with her. I should double check which one that is. It's a great one. Go check it out. It is Uh, Episode 20, working on the ins and outs of intuitive eating featuring Alex, but we were talking about how our bodies are incredible. Once you take any form of biology class, you will realize this Uh, because I think we take for granted how much our bodies do and what they just naturally accomplish all the time and tying this back into set point weight theory. Once you embrace intuitive eating, which is essentially just listening to your body, that is when your body can start to naturally guide itself to its optimal range or your set point weight, essentially. That mostly summarizes everything I wanted to say in this podcast, but uh, to go deeper into things, because I feel that it would be very brief, I had more to say. Uh, Let's take a look at weight So weight itself is determined by several different things. So weight can be determined uh, partly from genetics, from your environment, from your hormones, from your psychology. And then it also considers the energy you've burned compared to what you've taken in from calories. Now, when I say that, I also want to say when you're referring to energy burned, I think it might, your, your brain, because I know I've been there, so I'm just going to preface this for anyone who might have also been in my shoes. Energy burn doesn't necessarily just refer to when you're being physically active. Because even if you were sitting doing absolutely nothing and not exercising, your body is still burning energy, uh, to just keep you alive. And so regardless of your physical activity level, energy burned encompasses literally all the energy that your body is using both active and like inactive to keep you alive and functioning. And so I wanted to bring that up because of the fact that there is the idea that we are entirely control in control of our weight based on our activity levels and what we consume but i'm going to prove that is not that is a very oversimplified look at our weight so also i just want to throw this in here because i just mentioned the fact that energy burned refers not just to our activity levels but everything we're burning I was listening to this one podcast, which I will link in the show notes, but essentially research has been done that there is an African tribe they were researching that their activity levels must be roughly five times what the Western population would be, such as in America or the UK. And their calories burned are not hugely different to what ours would be. Uh, And so... Essentially what that theory is looking at is the fact that our bodies have this particular amount of calories roughly on a day-to-day basis that it's trying to burn or like it will burn. And if you're going to allot X many calories to exercise, you need to compensate in other functions of your body for energy expenditure so that overall you're not exceeding uh, a particular amount of energy expenditure. So, it very fascinating because it, <clears throat> excuse me, also would make a lot of sense based on if you're one of those people that like has been exercising so much and you're not losing weight and you're thinking, I've been trying so hard, et cetera. Et cetera it would make a lot of sense because your body is trying to be conservative. Also, it kind of goes into the whole concept of how your metabolism might slow down because of trying to conserve energy. Uh, Anyway, back to what I wanted to go into as far as weight is concerned. So we like to think weight is entirely within our control, but let's review those factors that determine weight and see if those are within our control. All right, that first one is, can we control our genes? No, that's a hell no, hell no, except uh, (laughs) I don't know if I should mention this in here, but I got an interesting book from the library about genetic engineering because we have advanced in science, but okay, that's a tangent I shouldn't go down. Getting back to it, can we control our environment? Partially, we can partially control our environment, such as if we're exposed to chemicals or plastics or how much we go outside or stay inside, those kinds of things. Uh, Can we control our hormones? Again, partially, because your lifestyle, your diet, if you exercise, those factors can influence your hormones and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, you aren't directly in control of those. So partially. Can we control our psychology? Again, that's partially because that really has to do with our mind. And I feel that's a ever-growing aspect in our lives that we're learning, we're growing, and potentially looking or trying to unveil what is in our subconscious brain. So that's, again, I feel Partially. Can we control the energy we burn? Again, sort of, because as I mentioned, there's only so much that you can control as far as your energy expenditure because really your body is doing that and you can exercise more. But as I just mentioned, there has been some research to show that it might not necessarily correlate to an overall increase in calories. expend. I mean, obviously you're going to expend more energy and calories when you're active, but on a daily basis there, that might not necessarily be true. And as I mentioned, I'll link that podcast in the show notes, but overall you're not directly in control of that. Uh, year. then the last one is, can we control what we eat? And this is yes, but I also want to preface this with, sort of, because I do realize that privilege plays a large role in this, because if you have financial constraints, you might not be able to consistently buy the organic meats or, uh, or maybe you can only buy food every once in a while. And th- I feel there is a lot to be said for your financial situation, what you have access to. And so although you do directly control what goes into your body, you can, you're, you're also somewhat limited in that capacity. So I do want to take that into consideration. So I just covered six different factors leading into weight, which are genes, environment, hormones, psychology, energy we burn, and what we eat. And of these six, only one is somewhat in our control. Well, I mean, the other one's are like somewhat in our control. The other one is like a little bit more in our control, but on the whole, all six of these are with one definitely being like a hard no, as far as genes go, most of this isn't really within our control. And I'm sure I might have some listener that is going to be all gung ho about like, yeah, you can totally control your weight, but I'm referring to you literally cannot control to the pound what you weigh if you wake up each morning. It, it's just not a thing. You can influence if your weight goes up or down. And I think those are two completely different things. You can influence if you gain weight or lose weight. But you can't completely control, like, I'm going to be, like, 165 tomorrow, for instance. Um, just not That's just not a thing. So... Anyway, moving on, why is this important? So this is important because, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you struggle with disordered eating, and I'm assuming you might have something to do with that if you're listening to this podcast, or if you just like listening to me, that's great too. Uh, Hopefully you are one of those few people that might enjoy some of my random tangent stories. I would love it if someone does enjoy some of my random tangent stories, but anyway, (laughs) Uh, so yeah, getting getting back to it with once you let go and embrace intuitive eating, which is really listening to your body, that's when once you listen to your body, you, it's much easier to reach homeostasis effortlessly and naturally according to your body's signals of hunger and fullness and just respecting what it wants. And just to recap what homeostasis is, I'm going to really shorten it. Um, it's essentially the equilib- equilibrium reached by physiological processes. Uh, which, as I just mentioned, is really just your body's cues to yourself. And then I, I kind of brought this up, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the fear we have surrounding weight and going up and up and up, uh, which is why set point weight theory is very important for people who have had disordered eating and feel that they really need to control their weight because I used to be in that camp for so long. So I guess to give you a little bit more background on me, I'm sure if you've been around my podcast for a while, you kind of have an understanding of where I'm coming from, but go listen to my episode on control because that's where I go into it much more in depth. But essentially what I want to get at is to abbreviate my my control for, for myself when I was deep in disordered eating was having this feeling of I I need to control what I'm eating or my weight is just going to keep going up and so I need to take responsibility for myself to keep it in check. Which for me manifested in food rules that a lot of people typically end up having some sort of some sort of food rules and even if you don't necessarily think of something you do as food rules it It could be. So for instance, I used to not eat pasta or rice or potatoes because I thought carbs are bad and carbs are going to make me get fat and gain more weight. And (laughs) so I'm actually going to record another episode all about nutrition because there's a lot that goes into knowing about nutrition so that you can realize where what you thought was correct is not actually correct so for instance I'm just gonna briefly mention here I was avoiding things like pasta bread potatoes rice because I thought they were carbs I thought they would make me gain weight but I I I still really enjoyed fruit and I would eat a lot of fruit I could have eaten more veggies or something, but I'd never thought of fruit or veggies as being carbs. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't eat these things. Like these carbs are essential for your body. It is your body's preferred macronutrient source for energy. Uh, that That's going to be a different episode, but I'm just trying to get at what was holding me back in terms of my control and being so concerned about my weight and why set point weight theory was a game changer for me. So essentially my food rules were what I considered sort of, have you ever been bowling? And when you're a kid, they put those kind of like bumpers on so that, you, you essentially have to hit something and it makes you feel good about yourself. So that's what my food rules were to me. I was putting up these bumpers and only allowing myself a certain range or window of allowing myself to eat certain things. And then everything else was kind of off limits. And so either between physically restricting myself of certain things or mentally restricting myself of certain things, That is another episode I have, Mental Restriction. Go check that out. I'll link these in the show notes. But between physical or mental restriction, uh, I was constantly in this diet mode because I was trying to control my own weight. So once I finally started intuitive eating, which is just letting go, let go, let go, let it go. What? Why does everything keep bringing me to Frozen? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I swear I'm not like sponsored by them or anything. But anyway, once you let it go uh, and listen to your body as opposed to trying to externally control everything, that's when you start to settle down. Your body is like, woo, we can finally do what we want. And you just will naturally be guided back towards what your set point weight should be. And that's why if you start intuitive eating coming from a disordered, eating, uh, past dietitians, other people who like will help you embrace intuitive eating should tell you if they, if they are trying to market it as a lose weight thing, that is totally false because it's really about guiding your body towards what it wants to be. And so if you're coming from a disordered eating background, you might be under your set point weight you might be over your set point weight or you might already be roughly at your set point weight. It's just letting your body figure it out for itself. So that's why when you quit the external like control and just let, listen to like your internal cues, that's when you're going to reach what you should be. And it's much more effortless and natural that way because it's your body just doing its thing because it's cool and it's awesome like that. And That is pretty much it. So I think that's it for me today. It's a pretty short and sweet idea, but it is such a game changer because that is a little, like set point weight is essentially like, having that term is what makes me feel like confident at like where I am because I'm like this, I I haven't weighed myself for a while. Actually, I did go to the doctor and they did weigh me. And... I've noticed that I've more or less been roughly the same weight. I won't like mention what that is just so I don't um, trigger anyone. But I'm like, this is if this is what my body wants to be, it's what my body wants to be. And with that being said, that doesn't mean that you can't still strive for goals such as uh, like I do enjoy going to the gym. Like I want to get faster. I want to get stronger. But I'm not doing it with the intended purpose of losing weight And so actually intuitive eating can be helpful as far as figuring out what works best for your body to fuel before, during, and after workouts to improve and get better. Because I'm not trying to say you shouldn't try to strive for being better, but I'm just saying, let your body do its thing. Just let it be. All right. That's it for today's episode. I will, I will catch you later and I hope you guys are having a good day.